You're listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Walkaroosa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to At Home, the podcast. We're glad that you tuned in today. Today's topic is is heavy. Uh, we're going to look back at some of the things we talked about on Sunday, and uh, we're going to treat this topic today like we are sitting around the coffee shop in town, the garage coffee shop, a place we like to hang out, and just having a, a conversation over what Second Peter was all about. And so we've been in this series. It's called Rooted. And this Sunday, I jumped into chapter two of Second Peter, and uh, I got a little worked up, Don, not going to lie. I, I, I get passionate about this topic of false teachers and false doctrine and making sure we understand what we believe. I literally broke a sweat. Yeah, you were red-faced. You were you were on fire. Yeah, I was, I was telling, telling you guys when I walked off the stage, I sure hope that my, my passion doesn't come across as anger because I have a feeling that I get this look on my face. You know, some people have resting anger looking faces. I just, when I get talking about this topic, I'm passionate and I want to, I want to, I want to make sure everybody knows, everybody hears this. And so uh, we're going to, we're going to just treat this conversation today like a couple of friends sitting around a coffee shop table having a conversation. But I want to start back with the scripture. Second Peter chapter two, verse one, and this is what it says, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who brought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their uh, evil teaching and shameful immorality because of these teachers. The way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money, but God condemned them long ago and their destruction will not be delayed. I got into this topic, and I was, I was actually hoping on Sunday to get further into that text, but I felt like just stopping there long enough was important. I wanted to talk about false teachers, but I felt like if I start saying, this is what a false teacher looks like, um, and we didn't understand what false doctrine mm-hmm. was really all mm-hmm. about, then we wouldn't have a basis <clears throat> or a foundation. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Right. I think we have to have an understanding of um, where Peter's coming from. He's laying that foundation that this isn't just a happenstance, that there will be people out there telling um, you what to do. There will be. It's not like a might. It's a will. This will happen in your life, that there'll be people trying to grab and cleverly um, change the message of the gospel. And so I think that's one of the key words that you pointed out at the beginning. And so we have to be aware. Awareness is key in this, that we have to not only be aware um, that it's going to happen, but we have to be aware of what we know and what we believe. Right. I I appreciated that you set the foundation for false teachers with false doctrine first. Um, And the reason I appreciate it is because you have to measure what you believe against a baseline. Um, We do this all the time and everything else, right? We have a baseline. That's kind of how we measure everything else against that. So our baseline should be what the gospel says, what the scriptures tell us, um, and then everything else is based off of that. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring it up like that, because a baseline 
I'm going to make an assumption because I don't fully understand the education system and, and the thinking and the logic there, but it makes sense to me to think that there has to be some kind of a truth. A baseline is a truth. Right. And I think we live in a world where everybody goes, well, this is true and that's true. And, and, and it doesn't matter what your truth is, as long as you really believe it. And uh, I believe in absolute truth. I look at the scriptures. I measure the 66 books of the Bible and I call them inerrant. I believe that's what the word of God is. And I measure everything against what is in the Word of God. So for me, that is my baseline that right. I measure truth off of. Yeah, the educational lingo for that is data should drive instruction, right? Your baseline should drive your instruction. Whatever whatever the data, whatever the quote-unquote truth is is showing you from, the, from a data perspective, that should drive everything else you do. And so in this case, um, the foundation of the Scripture should drive what we believe. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think um, we have to realize the meaning of what doctrine is and to define that it is a set of beliefs that we know, but that are also taught. So um, I think it's not just the knowledge, it's what's the, being taught and seen in action. In- yeah, so let, let's define that yeah. uh, doctrine. For those of you who maybe weren't there on Sunday, let me let me define doctrine for us. Doctrine is simply this. It's a set of ideas or beliefs that are taught or believed to be true. So there Therefore, if that is doctrine, then we have to ask the question, what is biblical doctrine? What does that mean? What does that, how does that, how does that relate? Biblical doctrine refers to teaching that aligns itself with the revealed word of God, or as we say, the Bible, the scriptures. So if that is biblical doctrine and we're measuring false doctrine against it, then what makes something false? Well, false doctrine then is any idea that adds to, and I think, I like this definition, adds to, takes away from, contradicts or nullifies the doctrine given in God's word. So it could be a lot of things. You, you might be taking something away. You might be adding something to it. You might be canceling it out, saying that that's not really what that is all about. Or I have this new uh, revelation that, that, supersedes what scripture says and that's that would be false right and people may argue and say i don't really need to know a doctrine but guess what no matter what in our society we are being indoctrinated no matter what like it's either going to be the gospel or it's going to be google or anything out there on the internet or whatever we do and so i think often we we kind of pull back and say i don't need to really know about theology and doctrine that's not really important and i would have to say "Mm, i'm going to push back on that no that's actually the opposite we have to know what we believe because what we're putting into our minds is in our hearts is going to come out in our life it's going to come out in our parenting it's going to come out in our marriage we have to know why we believe that jesus died on the cross rose again and has called us as his child and that we have that redemption story in our life and so i just really think it's important and it's not something we can push off to professionals Mm, indoctrination as a teacher you you hear this all the time in the news and especially the conservative side where they're indoctrinating these kids and in reality uh, the potential to indoctrinate is there for all adults right Mm -hmm. you you can push your beliefs and, and your ideas onto anybody of immature immature faith. In fact, a friend sent me recently this thing um, on Facebook. It's it's a teacher, Carrie Christopher, reflecting on teaching her high school philosophy class. It said, uh, she says, I, I had walked into the classroom holding an apple and declared, this is an orange. Several students were, were uh, brave enough to say, no, that's an apple. But when I pursued my objective claim with personal belief, I think it's an orange. It's an orange for me. 
They were quick to retreat. It's an orange for you. We have an entire generation that is afraid to tell a teacher, an adult, that an apple in her hand is not an orange. Why? If I'm told from my earliest years by the adults in my life that certain things are what they are, who am I to question? And, and for me, it's like, wow, it's not just teachers indoctrinating kids. It's any adult who mm -hmm. wants to push yep. off this, this belief system or their agenda on our younger, immature believers. Mm -hmm. I use the sentence, uh, the phrase, I believe we have gotten stupid, soft yeah. on theology. <laughs> on <laughs> <that> forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that's true. We have gotten stupid, soft. Uh, we're at the point where, uh, just like what you're referring to, Brant, uh, a lot of people are like, you can't tell somebody they're wrong. You, you know, that's their truth, and, and it's okay. I don't know how we got to the point as followers of Jesus that we've become so soft that we don't really fully know why we believe what we believe. Uh, I think that's a challenge for every listener who is a follower of Jesus. And even if you're not, I need I would recommend you ask yourself, why do you believe? And even if you don't believe about Jesus, why do you believe what you believe? Prove it. Understand it. I would like to understand. I would like to then challenge you, if you don't believe in Jesus, to consider the facts of Scripture as it as it pertains to what Jesus claimed to be. So I'm going to um, just throw this um, analogy out there. I kind of thought through, like, there's cracks in um, a lot of things, and cracks can allow water to seep in, you know, um, things to kind of invade. And this is where I think what we're talking about when we say false doctrine, it can just be a small crack. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm always amazed, and I say this because I live on a farm, there's lots of mice, but I'm always amazed by how uh, little of a crack or a hole that a mouse can get into. Mm -hmm. Think about the devil and his playground that's out there. And if we have a crack in our foundation, this is the stuff that we've laid out in these last weeks that uh, Peter has been talking about, how we trust the message and we trust um, the the whole idea that we are to build character and it's going to come, the the um, it's going to be a growth process, he tells us, but we have everything given to us from God to do this. We have to fill in those cracks with God's mm -hmm. word. We have to fill it in with the truth. I think there's a fear. I, this is me making an assumption. I think there's a fear that the word theology just automatically strikes uh, a little bit of fear in, in, a, in a follower of Jesus' life who says, oh, I didn't go to college for this. I, I don't understand what that's all about. Oh, theology, I'm just going to take somebody else's word for it, much like you referred to with that adult. Right. Well, I can't tell that adult they're wrong. Uh, theology is simply the study of who God is. Mm -hmm. Who God is? Like, study this. As a follower of Jesus, we should want to know who is God. We should study to try to figure out more and more about that. But we get this idea of doctrine. Oh, I could never, I could never know enough about that. Or theology. I, I'm not smart enough to understand all this. And, and the reality is that's just not true. It's it, we have complicated it, and so I think we yes. default to. I guess I'm just going to stay at this level. Uh, I liken it to the life stages. All right, so 
um, if we're parenting, let me let me talk to the parents for a minute. If you're parenting a child, uh, you're not content that your child stays an infant. You help them become a child. You start to help them. You you potty train them. You start to teach them to use a spoon and and, and ultimately drink from a cup and and then walk and 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 dress themselves and and all the stuff that you try to do. You send them to school then, and you're watching them mature all throughout the different life stages. Why? So that some point they become in a mature adult and that they can live on their own. And if they reproduce, then they can take care of your grandchildren and teach them all those ways as well. But why do we stop with spirituality? Why do we stop with religion and say, I know enough? And a lot of times we're stuck at an elementary age level of spirituality and we say, that's good when eternity hangs in the balance. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. And I, another scripture that came to mind and I was sitting here thinking through is the, um, the warning that we say our devil is prowling around like a roaring lion to seek those that he can devour. Because here's the deal. When you think of a lion out there, we're thinking of somebody who's weak, maybe um, sick, maybe not fully developed. And that's what they're going to get. That's the, the herd is going to be the outline, weak ones, immature ones, things that are struggling. Those are the ones the devil's going to take down. Mm. Why um, do we feel in our Christian faith that we can't build up that uh, muscle that we've talked about, the muscle of uh, understanding God's word, his truth, how we build in that. And I think what you said even earlier, Chris, in our conversation is that we'd like to just stay in kindergarten in this, and we just want to stay at that level of, well, this is just the basics. But I think um, experience and um, time in God's word and studying God's story, uh, there are so many resources out there to do that, that we have one other thing we haven't said, and that's the Holy Spirit to give us the insight into how this whole um, story plays out. And it's playing out in front of us, in our experiences, in our relationships. And in that, the Holy Spirit reveals to us, this is who God is. He says he's faithful. He will be faithful again. This is something I can hold true um, to. And this is who he is. Uh, Another problem I think we have in our society is the limitations on the English language, right? So, the greatest commandment, what, right? To love, love God, love people, right? Um, that word love is so easy for immature Christians to just be like, I'm, I'm loving people. I love God. But it's the, to grasp the meaning of it. Like I go back to coaching basketball a couple years ago and I was being really hard on, on my team. And, and one of the girls, like, I, I think I said at the end of, of the game, like, I love you girls, but goodness, you make me so frustrated sometimes. And one of the girls goes, you know, sometimes it just doesn't feel like it's love. And I go, tough love is still love. Tough love is like, I'm holding you to this high expectation. That's out of love. If I didn't care about you or, or care about you being successful in this area and going out there and and performing well, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't express myself in that way. But this is tough. Love is still love, and, and I think that we we have a hard time seeing all the different types of of love, right, played out in this. When God calls us to love Himself and then to love other people, it kind of goes along with your coexist thing, right? Um, and I don't know if you want to speak to that now or later, but we are called to love people. But sometimes tough love is needed as well. Yeah. So uh, on Sunday, I referred to the coexist bumper stickers that you see on cars these days. And, and, and 
I just simply made the comment, yeah, I think we are to coexist. I mean, uh, Jesus still models love to all people, and I think we're called to that same kind of love. I mentioned that this isn't, we aren't warring with people who Mm -hmm. don't believe the same way we do, but at the same point, we're not called to accept it uh, as as truth, that everybody's truth is truth, and I, I believe Scripture is very very clear. And then I laid out in the in the in the message the differences of of even the simplicity of well, who does does each of these uh, groups say that Jesus is? And you can't have it every way. Angie, you are a family pastor here, and you deal with a lot of families. Uh, one thing that my concern as a pastor is when I look at the 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 Christian family today is if a parent stops their spiritual maturity at a third grade level, they're going to invest in their children to the level of what they know. And that's not very high. The likelihood of that child exceeding that third grade level of spiritual maturity is is limited. The problem is that that, that child's going to grow up to become an adult with a kindergarten level of spiritual maturity. And we joke, you know, all pastors joke. Uh, it always comes up at some point when we're talking about church ministry, when, when you throw out a question and, and most people... They look at you and go, is I don't, it's Jesus the answer? <laughs> I mean, it's almost like boils down to the simplest yeah. of, of, of thoughts. And, and then we go, well, it's just Jesus. That's all that matters. And we get to this point, and, and I think that's it's, honestly where our culture has found yeah, itself yeah. with Christianity. Sure. So this is one of my favorite <laughs> leadership principles that I think ties into parenting 110%, especially when it comes to um, building and forming disciples in your home. As a parent, we need to be both a teacher and a learner. Mm. And that's a paradox that we don't often live in. And we can say, well, we know this, we've experienced this and that. But I I can tell you that learning is where the meat is. And we forget, like we can teach all day long, but to learn it's, that's, that's the, that's the whole thing right there. My, my son challenged me when it came to parenting uh he was a he was a he was a very smart kid and i can remember a time i'm sitting at the kitchen counter it's he's probably a freshman in high school and it's like eight o'clock at night i'm working on something for church and he's been up in his room studying he comes down to the kitchen counter and he asks me hey dad real quick uh just a quick question he asked me this i can't even remember what the topic was but it was a very deep theological question and i remember thinking here's what I would say the answer was, completely caught off guard. And he turns around and he goes, okay, thanks. And he starts to walk back upstairs. And I, and I call out to him, hey, Corbin, hey, wait a second. Why, why did you ask me that? And he says, oh, uh, my friend Kyle, Kyle Luster and I, we're on the Mormon chat room and we're just debating with Mormons right now. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, oh, oh my word. Uh, what that did though, is it, it required me to say, I need to continue to sharpen my skills. I can't just rely on all the things I know in order to help. How do I help him continue to mature in the faith? Right. We can't stop. We, we can't, um, I guess you could say, hand our kids over to professionals thinking that Sunday morning's going to indoctrinate them with the most important things. We indoctrinate our families, and this is super true. And I know that a lot of you guys are like, no, this isn't. In the simplest everyday moments. Yeah. When we do the right thing the right way, the way God calls us to be in those simple moments. This isn't, none of us are going to get those um, like fireworks in the background when we talk to our kid about 
<laughs> how to defend against a morbid. Sometimes those fireworks do go off, but it's usually setting in bed when your kid goes, mom, I'm really nervous and mm. scared for my test. Yeah. Can you pray for me? And you say, you know what? I know a God who's with you and loves you and he will be faithful to show up. Let's just pray that we can do our best to remember and that you can have peace because he gives us peace. And the thing is, is that it comes in those simple everyday moments that we um, indoctrinate our kids in our home with that belief system that we have to, we have to have that formed. We have to have that foundation. Yeah. It's a little bit of, of leading by example at times Mm -hmm. too, right? Like our five-year-old Hutch, is is totally um, a reflection of how Francie and I parent at our at our best moments uh, <laughs> with our ten month old. He he's so sweet to him, and some of the some of the phrases he uses when he's loving on him are are just reiterated from what Francie and I just did with Hutch, you know. And so, another example is Hutch has some scary dreams, and Francie, you know, consistently tells him, "Hey, buddy, you need to pray." Pray, pray these dreams away. Pray that you remind yourself Jesus is with you. Um, that that works, right, to an extent. But for him to see us do that when we're scared, um, that's where the indoctrination in a positive way happens because we're modeling it to him. He takes that in. And I'm going to um, go all the way up to the 20-year-olds that are out there parenting, yeah. uh, parents that are parenting 20-year-olds that say, hey, dad, hey, um, you know, this is what I think. What do you think? And you're looking at it like, uh, <laughs> who told you that? <laughs> that's yeah, that's, exa- you know what I mean? Where, yeah. Where did you get that thought? Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the part where I'm going to tell you, we had to play a little more um, defense because mm. I mean, offense instead of defense, because the reason is we're playing defense because the, our kids are going to come back with those questions. They're already going to come back with their, Hey, this person said this, or isn't this okay? You know, my teacher said this, or this is that. And we had to play offense. And so have I to know what you believe, what you believe and why you believe it and so I have a list of books that I told the kids it's true I don't I can't lay it all out I mean Dan and I can talk every day just so you know reels are really cool to to speak to this next generation they love reels so they're like a little 30 second like truth bomb and Dan that's Dan's like little thing that he sends to the kids sometimes Um, but what I say this is that I had I had to come to the conclusion that I can't stray away from the conversation on homosexuality or abortion because guess what? My kid is going to talk about that in the junior high classroom. Yeah. And so we have to be ready for that before it happens. And that's where parents sometimes say, hey, I'll just play some defense. I'll come back with me to your questions. Because we're sitting around the table acting like we're at a coffee shop, I'm just gonna I'm gonna risk here for a second, and hopefully not put my daughter as she listens to this uh, podcast on the spot. But I remember growing up, uh, you know, Brendan was going through a challenging time. High school is hard. Girl, girls are mean. Yeah. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it was, girls it's, are it's, mean. Angie. Was, oh, come on, Angie, what's the deal? Uh, so I'm sorry. It, it's, it's just it was at a point, and and she was having a hard time, and 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 then of course then she's a pastor's kid on top of that like oh my word and she had said something to the extent of this you know of course of course I grew up in a Christian home therefore you're going to tell me Christianity is right but if I was born into a Hindu home you would tell me Hinduism's right or if I was born into a a, a Jewish home you'd tell me Judaism's right or if I was born into whatever and and you talk about defense it would have been easy for me just go well just trust me all right just this is it I said well what if we explore 
Yep. All right. Do let's, it. Let's go. Let's let's talk yep. about the other religions and and mm-hmm. let's understand what they're saying and then let's measure it against this I instead think, of yeah. just saying you're wrong. I don't ever want to have this conversation again. Right. But, and we don't we don't make that effort. It takes effort. That's the whole deal. And we have to carve out time to do this. And we have to be very. And this is a word you use all the time. Intentional. Yeah, absolutely. Angie, you, before the podcast started, you were talking about another thing, and I think this goes into how we look at Scripture. When we look at Scripture as an encyclopedia as opposed to a narrative, then I don't know that we know how to defend doctrine Correct. or faith. Talk, talk a little bit more about that. Right. Um, you may um, have heard us, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, we had a series on misquoted, and we talked about how context is king, and that you have to get the whole picture of who the author is, what they're saying, and who they're saying it to. And then you begin to see, oh, that really didn't, you know, mean that. I think um, where two or three are gathered was one of the examples that we talked about. And that you think, oh, that's a that's a prayer service. It's actually not. It's actually all about conflict management. And so I think we can take scriptures and we can say, well, um, I'm going to look up the word on anger. And I'm just going to go to anger. But the problem is, actually, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he never actually used probably the word anger. But if you read around the context, the meek, the mild, the people that are peacemakers, that's where we have to go. And so you have to look at the whole story, not just a specific um, word. And that helps us um, see the context of what his story is. So as we begin to wind this topic down here soon, uh, there was a, a couple of words that really stuck out in the text in Second Peter chapter 2, and one was about clever teaching. We live in a world that is full of clever teaching right now. There's, there's some things that are almost true. They, they look pretty true, but they're not quite true when you really dive in and, and understand it differently. Um, these, are, these are statements that, like you said, they open the door to the devil's playground. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast today, and if you've been uh, following with our sermon series at all, my challenge to you is to really understand why you believe what you believe, so that when the cleverness of these teachings come in, you're able to quickly identify Something's not right about that because your default mode is is based on truth. I, I've always been interested in uh, in government and how systems run. I, I like I if you, I, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to be honest and tell you how lame I am uh, because uh, my favorite shows to watch on TV are probably documentaries. Uh, I want to learn something about things. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by counterfeits. And I, and I always love this principle. It comes back. How do you train somebody to know what a counterfeit is? You train them to understand what real is so that they can more quickly and readily identify something that is not real. And I think that principle carries over to our scriptures as well. Yeah, I do. I think that we have to study God's Word. It's used to rebuke us. It's used to challenge us. It's used to show us um, God's truth. Um, one of the things I that I've said in many a times as I sit down on Thursday mornings with the gals and mots, and that we have to be aware of the almost true, because I think mm-hmm. this word clever is really um easy for us to say, but um, to identify that, you start thinking, oh, what's like 99% true, but then that 1% is missing. And uh, Satan's really good at giving those almost true. And so what is truth? It is God's opinion on every matter. And so we have to really, really look at, am I listening to something that maybe has a little bit of a different bent or has um, uh, not 
necessarily based in scripture. We have to go, what is God's opinion on this? Go back. Is it almost true or is it real? You know, is it truth? Yeah. Uh, in school, we we talk about context clues with kids and we use the words around what you're looking at to figure out what that's actually saying. And a lot of times as, as immature Christians, you know, people don't do that. Immature, immature Christians don't do that. They, they look for something that meets their need that, that um, meets their agenda of what they're trying to, to portray. And so for, for us, you know, it's all about <clears throat> reading around the sentence or reading around the word to figure out what is that actually saying. And as Christians, we have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, false doctrine is really where we drove home today, and that was really the foundation for what actually is going to be taught next week on Sunday morning when I dive deeper into false teachers. When we understand what false doctrine is, then we can better understand what the false teaching is because we're starting to be able to play it against the absolute truth as I see it of Scripture. And so we're we're encouraging you to come. Uh, join us Sunday. Uh, join us. Uh, you can also pick up our, our services online through YouTube, through our Facebook page. Uh, you could see them through our website as well. But we would encourage you to join in this conversation, join in this dialogue. But more importantly, what I would really like for you to do is make sure that you are diving into your word, dive into the scriptures, take it seriously, and think about the fact that you are investing in a generation coming up behind you that you want to also be spiritually mature. So we're grateful that you tuned in today. We're thankful for you, our listener. Uh, We would love it if you would share these episodes with others and uh, who might be able to be encouraged by it and challenged uh, also to take their faith seriously. So until next time, we simply say to you, grace and peace. Home the podcast is produced by the Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org and clicking on the At Home tab. Thanks for listening.